0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go, here we go. Inside the 10 o'clock hour on the fan, we got two more hours left to talk sports, take your calls. I've got no more guests. Coming up in an hour, my Casamigos big shot of the night. This is Keith McPherson, your nighttime host, 87 337 33 66-66, January 24th, midweek, as we proceed. I knew by the time I got to this point in the week, I'd be ready for football again. Monday, I just was like, oh, here we go. Same teams. But now I'm like, all right, all right. When football is over, we'll be sad. And I gamble on every single football game I can gamble on. I watch, like I, even if it's five dollars here on a you know first touchdown, like when there's no football to bet on. I, I don't like betting on baseball. I'll I'll put some more coin on the NBA, but I think football is the easiest to bet and the most fun to bet. And I'll have some bets for this NFC championship and AFC championship. I want to see the Lions win. If Debo doesn't play, I think they have a real chance. Brock Purdy showed us that uh, you know he definitely shouldn't have been the MVP. You can make excuses for the kid with the wet football, whatever. He's got little hands. He's a little guy. He looks like something out of high school musical. He looks like a a Disney character playing in the NFL. And then on the other side in the uh, AFC, I want to see Lamar get it done. Talk about Julius Randle silencing his critics in the playoffs. Man, I would love to see... The soon-to-be MVP, have a second MVP, and get to that Super Bowl like he promised the franchise on draft night. It was written. Universe never unconnects. Come on, Lamar and the Ravens. Save us from all of the extra nonsense that comes with the Chiefs. Let's go to E. Frank and Astoria on the fan. What's up, E. Frank? Hey, yo, E. Frank. E Frank, like what? E- electronic Frank. Come on, Frank. All right, Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. When I call on you, somebody go. Dave is in Brooklyn, New York. Dave, you're on the fan. Now, kid,
2: I know I sound like a broken record out here. I understand that, but let me just throw some stats at you, okay? Okay. Since since 2015, right? Every nine innings that the Yankees play. They gain four million dollars in team value. <laughs> okay, where'd you and get uh,
1: those numbers from? I believe. I it.
2: Went to, yeah, go to Yankees valuation Statista, and they've got us every year from 2002. And you know, listen, I, I know I'm a I'm counting bean I'm a bean counter. I don't want to do that, but like they have they're printing money in the basement. You you know they cannot afford to refrain from spending they have to spend and i you know listen i i know, i understand all the knocks against bellinger and snell and i know you probably can't get both of them but let's do this i mean look at look at what's his name hater he was probably a discount 19 mil you know that's i mean mm. that's probably a discount he was only 28 years old like yeah cannot... i think he wanted to
1: go back to the astros because yeah. he had some history with them and I don't know. I don't think the Yankees ever were really pursuing him. I don't think they were ever gonna spend that much on a closer reliever. They think so much of their own bullpen and their ability to create these guys out of the bullpen. But then also, right, they are paying Juan Soto, who they traded for, thirty one million dollars. That's a record in arbitration. They are paying Garrett Cole thirty six million. They are paying Aaron Judge forty million. John Carlos Stanton thirty two million. DJ's making another fifteen. You know what I'm saying? Like they have some guys making money. Rodon, like <laughs> They have, they're spending money, but I just don't think that they're... This offseason was never billed as the offseason to go out and spend. They were willing to spend on Yamamoto. That's pretty much it.
2: Well, well just for the record, right? You know, um, Judge Judge's contract, that's eight games. That's yeah. eight games played. That's thirty two so, so You what's
1: got the, So, I just, I don't know. And that's, you're, you're, they're counting TV money. They're counting the stadium. They're counting what?
2: Well, well no. no. No, I'm sorry, Keith. They're not counting profit. They're just counting valuation. What it's so imagine oh, yeah. every well, every time the Yankees play nine innings, your house goes up four million dollars. <laughs> you know
1: what I'm saying? I just know that uh you know, through the Aaron Judge home run chase, they they were making they I think they actually brought in profit an extra million a week for those home games when Judge was hitting 60-61, and then he eventually ended up hitting sixty two. Out in Texas? I don't know. It's a ridiculous amount of money. I say they make money hand over fist, and we'll never actually know. Remember when the lockout came? They weren't going to open the books. Nobody's going to actually ever really know, but I don't think that they look at the money they make and say, well, we got to spend it on the team. Brian Cashman is the GM for a reason. News to all the Yankee fans. They did not fire him. He's still going to do business the way he's been doing business for years. They're not just going to you know, spend on a Blake Snell or beg Monty to come back and overpay him. I think they, you know, they made a, a deal with Marcus Stroman that they liked, and they'll see how it goes in the beginning of the season. And I, I don't think they're spending any more money. Maybe a reliever, maybe a Hector Neris or a Wandy Peralta, but I think that they'll explore the trade market before July thirty first, and that's about it. Yeah. This is the team.
2: Yeah, but you know what? I'll tell you, man. I mean, I, I could already picture it. It's July, late, you know, late July when we're, you know, scrap, you know, looking for players like everybody else. And this offense is just not quite what it could be, and I'm I'm looking at Bellinger playing for the
1: Cubs. No, nah, they're not gonna. No one's goals. signing Bellinger. The Cubs should should already have signed Bellinger. I don't know what they're waiting for. Yeah. Bellinger got canceled out as soon as we made the deal for Juan Soto because we we ended up having you know him, Trent Grisham, and Verdugo. There's three outfielders. I know Belly can play first base too, but mm-hmm. first base is going to be Rizzo and and DJ and. Maybe even Austin Wells, I think you know, projects to be a first baseman down the line. Bellinger was, I think, only an option if they didn't get the Soto deal done. But once they got that deal done, they were never paying Bellinger what he wants. And even though we look at Bellinger, the son of Clay Bellinger, as you know, a left-handed swing, he had one good season after some down seasons. Like the Dodgers moved on from him, he had a great season with the Cubs. I mm-hmm. think the Cubs should sign him. He should go right back to the north side of Chicago. They they seem like they got a, you know a little bit of a squad building there.
2: Well, yeah, I will say this, and then, uh, 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 you know, I just want to say, I mean, I think the Dodgers made a
1: mistake
2: by giving $1 billion <laughs> to two men.
1: Yeah, I think if, if we had to say yeah. mistake or not a mistake, most of us would say this is going to end up being a mistake.
2: <laughs> I love you so Keith, man. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for the call, Dave. I'll say it again. I can't wait for baseball because baseball is going to start. The Yankees are going to play, you know, night games or whatever, 7 seven oh five 5 start. And then you'll get the uh, post-game show. And if it's a home game, I'll be driving down on the, the Harlem River Drive or whatever, <laughs> trying to get back to the station from the Bronx. And then I'm going to pop on here. I'm going to have MOB.TV on my MacBook. And I'm going to be tuned in. It's time for Dodger baseball. I'm gonna be tuned in to see Yamamoto and Otani. Yamamoto Otani. Like I told you guys over a month ago, it was never Yamasoto. They were never getting Yamamoto. They got played. Remember when we were talking about Joel Wolf, the super agent of Yamamoto, who's also the agent of John Carlos Stanton. Cashman knew he made a mistake at the GM meetings in his rants, ranting and raving, talking to the reporters like Joel Sherman and saying all these things and giving extra answers and information that no one asked for, that he had, like, loaded clips that I'm going to say what I want to say when I get the first opportunity in front of cameras and microphones. Well, he might have stepped too far. Or similar to, like, Marcus Stroman, right? You know, he told Marcus Stroman, oh, things came out differently. Or they, you know, the things were said in a way I didn't intend for them. Same thing with Stan. He basically said, you know, Stan gets hurt every year. And I think the way he worded it is, like, we know now that Um, You know, getting injured is part of his game. Joel Wolf heard that and said, hmm, well, let this be a message to players domestically and internationally playing for that team. Like, you got to have thick skin. You got to be ready to, to deal with that in season and off season. I knew right there, especially if you guys followed Yamamoto, Yamamoto looked at Joel Sherman. He literally called Joel Sherman. He called Joel Wolf Super Joel. Because he knew this guy is working. This guy's gonna get me three hundred mil. When we first started hearing about Yamamoto, he was supposed to be a steal, right? We we thought that this was a pitcher coming over from Japan that won three MVPs that we could potentially sign for two hundred and fifty million. Not what the Dodgers ended up paying. Not what Steve Cohen was willing to pay. I'm glad that the Yankees had a bar, had a line, and you know we're not doing more than that. We currently employ the AL Cy Young winner. We're not going to pay you more than him. You ain't done anything over here. You play in the MPB against 12 teams. And the thing is, over here in the States, these are the best hitters in the world. And they come from all over the world, but these are the best hitters right here. And you throw that ball over the plate, it's going to get rocked. So when we get to baseball season, when you least expect it, you might not be paying attention to the West Coast games at all. Keith McPherson on the fan. (laughs) I'm going to be like, hey, well... (laughs) Got eyes on Yamamoto's first start and uh, <laughs> didn't make it out of the third inning. Like, oh, Otani, the the, the $700 million man, must be feeling the uh, Tommy John recovery. He's 0 for tonight. It's baseball. It's a humbling sport. To pay two players a billion dollars, I can't wait to see it fail. 877-337-6666. Let's keep rocking and rolling. I don't have any more guests. Let's talk about what you guys want to talk about. Chris is in Maryland. What's up, Chris? You're on the fan. Hey there, big guy. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining the show. Hey, can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you hear I'm us all right stuff? down there? The huh? the, the, the FM, uh, FM dial is hey, coming in clear and loud, <laughs> and you're the only
3: one that talks baseball. We're on our Washington station. We don't have anybody, even on the.
1: No, they're talking about the Baltimore uh, Ravens.
3: No, they don't. No, they don't do that. They're just all about the changes in the football team here. Um, Wizards aren't much, and the Caps aren't much to talk about. But they don't even mess. We don't even, during baseball season. We don't even have like <laughs> even a regular well, guy whose favorite sport is baseball. I, I force the
1: baseball conversation every night I'm on. It's a good fallback. I default into it when I, I get tired of talking about everything else.
3: I'm with you, and uh, like uh, if you remember, I'm I'm a more of a player than a team. Uh, growing up, I had all kinds of favorite teams, but it was just because of the players who I like, and uh, that's why I like Soto. So that'll be fun. And you said something about Judge in 62. That would have been more important had there not been uh, records broken uh, unfairly. Um, and I and I can't stand the Astros. I don't think I get sick of it every time I'm I was watching the series last year, wrestling and. Well, he just tied. So and so tied Birdman fraud. Yeah, I, I don't want really to hear their names. That's that's wrong. I think it's wrong. I, I don't. I'm not trying I'm to. I'm right talk there about with it. you.
1: We just and they want us to forget about it. I'm tired and, of hearing and, that. You and, guys, and you Yankee th- fans, got to get over it. No, I'm never gonna get over it. I know. watched the whole season. Exactly. And I'm still watching. Be dead and gone. That's what it should be. Dead.
3: Rob Manfred, I think, said he would have done something different. And I never heard what it might be. But regardless, there's a couple Dodger pitchers that pitched against the Astros. This is something I thought I heard. And that have never been their younger pitchers, and they got crushed in whatever, I guess, yeah, might have been the series, people, and they've never been their famous. Careers. All, kinds damage, all kinds of damage that was done. But anyway, real quick, before um, – Earl Monroe was one of my first favorite basketball players. Mm-hmm. And so I was for the Knicks. I was obviously for the Knicks when Ewing was on them because I'm a Georgetown. That's, they're big. And um, oh, one, one, one other thing I can't remember, but – I'm I don't know. I'll tell you again. Anyway, have a good show. Thanks for talking (laughs) baseball. You guys be
1: good. (laughs) Chris down there south of the Mason-Dixon line (laughs) getting the fan in New York, not on the free Odyssey app, but on the regular radio. The Reach. The Reach. You never know who's listening. You never know who's just turning to 1019 FM. Jamie's in Long Beach, on Long Beach, in Long Beach. Jamie, you're on the fan. Mr Km
4: in the PM, I am in love with you, sir. I'm having a bromance. I've been listening to you and you are fantastic. I really I'm a good judge of character. Yeah. I've been listening to the fan. I'm sixty five years old yeah. since the show it's inception. And I truly believe one day you're gonna be a Yankee announcer. <laughs> I am telling I'm telling you right now that you are nah, inside. John John Sterling's along, got that
1: on lock forever.
4: Well, I met John Sterling in, in a restaurant I used to own in the city, and uh, he's wonderful. But
1: the, I mean, but he's
4: going to be passing passing since, soon. Since uh, you mentioned not, it, not not, not
1: not not in life. I meant in his career. No, and John um, is the best. And I and I. But since you mentioned it, I've thought about it because there's people that have, have thrown my name in the ring. Obviously, because John is getting up there in age. I love the Yankees. I just couldn't see myself calling every game. I got to go to the well, game. I got to be you in, with do the that, fans. Because
4: you're too on, you're too honest. You're not. A homer like, uh, you know, like Michael Kay. And that would be a problem probably with the upper management. <laughs> shout out, shout um, out to
1: the case They're catching a stray. Uh, John, yeah, and, Susan, John and Susan last year, they weren't having any fun, and they let everybody hear it and know about it.
4: And Michael Kay wouldn't let me post any pictures of him unless he got to see the pictures first. So that was another situation. Um, are you there, Keith? I'm here, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk quickly about the Nets and Knicks, and then if I have time, the, the Mets and Yankees. I used to, I'm a Knicks fan since 67, and I'm a Net fan, so I, I'm also, but if they go against each other, I'm more of a Knicks fan, and I use, I live in Long Beach, Long Island, but I grew up in Astoria, Queens, and mm-hmm. when I was in Long Beach as a teenager, Dr. J used to play in Lido Beach on this court that I used to watch as a kid, awesome. and I used to see him do a, a foul line dunk before they ever did that, no in the ABA. way. That's, that sick. In the ABA.
1: That's sick. That's oh, sick. I've that seen the documentaries of him playing street basketball and like people getting. I just can't. Can you imagine like LeBron doing that or like Katie doing that somewhere? Never. No. Never. They're, no. I, they're not just hooping on the street.
4: Because um, I used to be a, a, a general manager in the restaurant business, and he came into my place and he ordered this two hundred and fifty dollar steak called akaoshi and he said, "Jamie, how how is the Akoshi as far as the Wagyu?" I said, uh, you know, Mr. Irvin, he, he, says, he says, call me Julius. And I said, I, I never tasted it. I really can't afford it. He says, get me two uh, Akoshis. And he said, Get me a plate. And he gave me a piece of his steak. He was a real, real real yeah. decent, yeah. down-to-earth guy. That's great. But I want to talk about you and Tom Thibodeau. Why isn't anybody talking about this guy is a genius? And a year ago, when the Knicks were struggling, they were thinking about of rhythm. Oh, this guy yeah. is a genius with his collective defense that he talks about. But one of the things that I'm really proud of Julius Randle, and I I hear you on this, uh, uh, talking about this, is that Carmelo didn't have basketball IQ. I'm sorry. When Carmelo came, it was magical. And then isolation basketball, shooting shots with nobody rebounding, which is one-on-one basketball for kids. I coach kids. But Julius has learned now. Let it come to you, the three-pointer. Yeah, don't force it. You're better than anybody going to the rim. And now he's getting how many foul shots a game. He's developed yep. a basketball Rebounds, IQ that he expected to be a winner over a a three point specialist, which he's not.
1: No, he's not a three point specialist. I know he was in the three point contest a year or two ago. I, I like his game. I think that, you know, like I said, I'm rooting for this guy. I think that I like don't when
4: want you want him traded. This guy no, when you great. look at
1: New York Knicks. Man, so many other Knicks would have folded and crumbled. I know he did the thumbs-down thing, but it's like, I can't imagine taking That was me. a mistake, and he knows that. Yeah, but I, imagine the, just the, the bows and arrows, the, the things that he has to deal with. Uh, Lugie and I were talking, about I'm like, even his wife and kid have to deal with it. Like, And he just shows up every night and continues to play. You know, at the end of the series, last year, fans were outside the garden ripping his poster down. And he oh just accepts it. He and, he and he keeps showing up. I want to see him win and be victorious. Well, now, Tommy smiling, T. He's smiling now. You know, Coach Thibodeau, I mentioned Tommy T. Earlier because I I give him credit along with the front office. You think he doesn't have a say in the personnel and the guys they're bringing in? Of course yes, he, yes, does. he does. And and, and they're getting guys that fit in his system and play the way that he wants them to play. This is a puzzle piece that he helped put the pieces of the puzzle together, and you're starting to see that for sure now.
4: By the way, this is Red Holzman basketball, for anybody who doesn't know. Find the open man, pass the ball. You know, it wasn't Phil Phil Jackson didn't create the triangle. It was Red Holzman. But that's another story for another day. So what I wanted to share with you is about the the Mets and the Yankees. I heard you say earlier today, a few hours ago, about how, you know, you believe the Mets might be okay. I'm a Yankee fan, but I've been watching the Mets since 67. And they're they're not the Oakland like,
1: A's. Like that's what I just no. don't understand. How every day I listen yep. to the fan and people are like, they suck. They're not gonna be any good. Looking no, at paper, these are grown men, these are professionals, these are there are guys on the team that have been all-stars, guys that have won, guys that have played in other places. I just I, I, I know you can't predict baseball. We all think we know baseball. We all think we know what's gonna happen. Nobody told me that the Yankees were gonna go eighty two and eighty last year. And
4: Arizona was going to be in the World Series. Exactly. Nobody knew, that. Nobody
1: knew that. So it's like for us to just write the Mets off because they're not doing what they did the last couple of years, which like they're two seasons removed from 101 wins. And I know it was a different but rotation and a couple different guys here and there. Moves. And I know yep, they sold yep. off some pieces like a Tommy Pham, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, David Robertson, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. Good. You don't know what these so, young kids are going to have. You don't know what's going to happen with this manager. Yep. You don't know what's going to happen when they go out there and just – Raise their compete level and say no, we're not going to be bums. We're not going to be scrubs. We're we're not going to just lay down because the fan base thinks we're going to suck.
4: And then if they're in the hunt, come the trading deadline, Uncle Stevie will open up the first springs. I believe that. But he made some serious mistakes, and the way that he got rid of Verlander and um,
1: uh, Scherzer and to get all those
4: fill up your farm system again was genius. So he
1: took a loss, and he's but one of the only pick- guys, probably the only guy that could actually do that. Yeah, I can afford it. This isn't working. You know, he came out and said (laughs) we have a fourteen percent chance to make the playoffs. That's a pretty that's pretty crummy odds, was was his words. And he said, you know what, we need to replenish the farm system. Him and Billy Epler put their heads together. They went and checked everywhere and said, all right, let's get what we can get. And we'll see what happens down the line. Jamie, thanks for the call and the kind words. I just I don't know. Um, I would call a game or two. You know, for the Yankees, I'm going down to spring training. I plan on jumping on the call, John and Susan, if you'll have me. But nah, man, like, I don't know. I think like even as I get older, I go to Yankee Stadium and I belong with the fans. I, I'm I, like Even when I go up to the media area, I feel like I'm not supposed to be there. I like to say what's up to everybody, but like I, I have way more years of being a fan than a radio host media member, if that makes any sense. like I'm still not there. This will be my third season. I'm still not there to, to separate it. I'm not showing up to Yankee Stadium in a suit. I'm not showing up to Yankee Stadium and dressing neutral like they want media members to do. I'm not like that, bro. I, I, I'm not built like that. It's just not in my blood to like go up there and not be with the fans yelling and screaming and go to the bleachers and do the roll call and walk around and, and see people in different sections. And You can find me all the way at the top of the grandstand. You can find me in Legends in the same game. You can find me in the suite. You can find me in Delta. You can find me in the bleachers, and then I might just be with John and Susan. That's just how I've come to move around Yankee Stadium. I would call a game, but I feel like calling a game, I'd have the itch to be like, hey, right, let me go. Uh, can I call the game from the bleachers? Can I Can I have a little live on me and call the game from 203? No, they wouldn't let me do that. Keith McPherson on the fan, 877 66, 66 we got a bunch of calls. Everybody wants to talk Yankees. Mets now, still Knicks and Nets now. Good. Even some football talk mixed in there. Trevor Bauer, we're still talking about Trevor Bauer. Why not? We'll do all of that when we come back. BRB. Yeah, now we're rocking Keith McPherson on the fan. KM to AM. We've got about 90 minutes left. I swear, these five-hour shows, they used to tell me it's a marathon. I said, nah, it's a sprint. Run through the tape. Running right through it. 87-7, 7 66, 66 I don't know, I like to talk sports, all sports. So call me up, whatever you want to talk about. The caller that had the call that said Trevor Bauer, so this caller just dropped off. Before the break, I was like, you know, now we're cooking. We've got Yankees, Mets calls, Knicks, Nets calls, NFL calls. And then I jokingly was like, Trevor Bauer? There was a caller whose topic was Trevor Bauer slash Jordan Love, and I, I wanted to see where that was going to go. And I think when I jokingly said Trevor Bauer, the caller hung up thinking, oh, he's not going to call on me. I was going to come to you first. And then I jokingly said to Connor Green, my producer, every host here has had to answer the question of, well, why don't the Yankees or the Mets take a flyer on Trevor Bauer? I know I've answered it 10 times. But what does that have to do with Jordan Love? Vinny is in Congress. Vinny, you're on the fan." good evening uh for,
5: first off i just want to say uh, that the first time i heard you i didn't know what to think of you and the more and more i listened to you like a fine record i started getting little nuances and you are fantastic and i love what you bring to the table
1: man i appreciate you thanks man i think i sucked in the beginning i used to go home and listen to my shows on the podcast and i'm like you are terrible you say things wrong incorrectly you're clearly nervous. Like, you got to get it together. But I worked on it. Credit to Spike Eskin, who meets with me every week and listens to my show and would give me pointers. And I would ask him some questions and things. And I've sharpened my sword, I've uh, perfected my craft. It's not perfect yet, but we're getting there. And I think I got a good flow and a good hold on these five hour shows and even the three hour shows I do. And I appreciate you for sticking with us and sticking with me and giving me a shot.
5: Yeah, well, you just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it correctly. Yes,
1: sir, I will. Uh, and, that's,
5: and that's why I want to bring this question to you. It's nothing groundbreaking, uh, but I, I do appreciate your football mind. So, in the 70s, 80s, uh, quarterbacks used to sit on the bench and they used to learn before they would be able to start or take the reins. And everyone today says, oh, you can't do that nowadays. It's, you know, passing league, you can't do that. So, here's my question to you. If quarterbacks used to sit down when when the NFL was a run first league, wouldn't it make more sense that now it's a passing league that quarterbacks should even sit longer on the bench to learn the craft?
1: Yeah, um, three out of the four quarterbacks we're going to watch this weekend had to sit. It it only well,
5: helps. So so then why isn't why isn't it still part of the
1: because record? because now and why, in
5: why the- are we just keep throwing? The-
1: because now in the NFL, everybody wants to hit on the C J Stroud and start that clock of okay, we have the cheap rookie quarterback we can add around him, let's win the Super Bowl before we have to pay this guy four hundred million dollars.
5: It just seems like backwards thinking to me. And if I see it I don't understand how somebody- uh-
1: I'll speak on it. Thanks for the call, Vinny. And this is for my uh, random haters that are like, oh, this guy always talks about he played quarterback. Oh, let me guess, Keith. You played quarterback? Yeah, I did. You probably played nothing. You probably probably couldn't throw now back then. You probably couldn't make JV. So I will lean into my expertise. I redshirted my freshman year playing quarterback at James Madison University. There was no way in hell I was going to be able to pick up that playbook or the speed of the game or be ready. Like, mm mm-mm, no. Going from high school to college, and it's even a bigger jump going from college to the NFL. There are not that many CJ Strouds. There's just not, and like I use the example of Patrick Mahomes. They drafted Pat. He held the clipboard. He sat behind Alex Smith. They drafted Lamar Jackson. He sat. He 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 learned from Joe Flacco. Even Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, picked two sixty-two. He sat. And they didn't want him to play. They didn't expect him to play. But by the time he was called upon, he was ready to go. Now, number one overall draft pick in a Jared Goff. Didn't I think Jared Goff played right away. I think, you know, they thrust him into that and, and it wasn't really, you know, successful right away. I'm trying to remember. But I'm pretty sure with, with the Rams, they drafted him number one overall. And they played him. Or maybe there was somebody there. <clears throat> I'm blanking. Who was it? Was Sam Bradford there or something? Uh, somebody called me up and tell me it's, it's so many years ago now. Jared Goff, when uh when he got drafted by the Rams, I gotta I gotta I gotta figure that out. Did he start week one? Did they thrust him into the starting? Either way, you know, going back to my expertise, it's just a lot, man. It's a lot. I have a ton of respect for the quarterback position in the NFL because I think it's the hardest thing to do in sports. Harder than being the shortstop of a team, the point guard of a team. I don't know. The the leading scorer for an NHL team, the quarterback of these NFL teams, has to deal with everything. You have to be a coach on the field. You need to know what every single player on your offense has to do. Where where these guys have to line up? Where they have to block? You know, there's a viral clip of Brock Purdy, uh, you know, telling a guy going in motion. I don't know if it was Kyle Usechek or, or whoever it was, but on that run that CMC broke, he told him, "Stay there, stay there, stay there." and got the snap off. <clears throat> excuse me, got the snap off right at 00. Was almost a delay of game. Man, I, I remember going to college and like in high school we ran like we we ran the wing T, we ran like some simple option stuff, some like waggle runs, some counters, a couple of little like jet sweeps and some rollouts, but it was pretty basic, man. Like I knew all of our plays in in high school and there was no reading of the defense in high school. You're, you're running the play against whatever defense is out there. And I remember going to film study. I remember, you know, in Ocean High School, pulling up on Saturday mornings after we played Friday night games and sitting there and watching the film with the coaches. But it was never, it was never that deep. It was more so watching us and saying, hey, you missed this block here or you could do this better or, you know, next time line up on the, um, you know, bottom of the numbers if you're going to run this route or whatever. But these NFL quarterbacks sitting – it's usually for the best. Everybody's not C.J. Stroud. Uh, Bryce Young, he probably could have used his Zach Wilson. <laughs> Zach Wilson should have sat. They made a huge mistake thinking that a rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, and rookie quarterback was going to actually have success. Not even have success. Be able to compete and win. Look at Jordan Love. Sat behind Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get paid. He won a playoff game this year. And everybody loves him now. You know, sitting sitting behind a veteran quarterback shows you how to be a pro. There's just a lot you can learn, man. It, it's hard to do. Um, even with the Giants situation coming up. You have Daniel Jones. You have Tommy Cutlett. Maybe you re sign Tyrod Taylor. Man, draft Jaden Daniels or whoever it is and let him come into the building and not have the pressure of the fan base, social media, NFL Network, ESPN, Fox Sports 1 to go out there and be the guy right away. It's hard to do. When you get to the next level, everybody's fast. Everybody's strong. And in football especially, the best players are the cerebral guys that know they know what's going to happen before the ball is even snapped. So I think there is uh, something to be said about you know even the different eras and having a quarterback take a, a redshirt year even in the NFL. I redshirted in college my, my first year. And I just, I still, even by the time I was third string quarterback, it's like it's just a lot, man. It's a lot of plays and formations and personnel and and calling the plays and going no huddle and and reading the defense and you got to call out how many safeties, who's the Mike, Will, Sam, who's the middle linebacker, how many safeties? All right, audibly, right, checking a play at the line. It's a ton of stuff to process and know in real time while there's like these, I don't know, six five. 280 defensive ends that have their hand in the ground. They're like hungry dogs <clears throat> <clears throat> coming to get you. There's these these fat three techs defensive tackles that can't wait to just jump on you. Linebackers that are talking trash to you. I'm like it's a lot. It's scary. I don't miss that. I don't miss that. I used to be in pain. I, I, I used to be in pain. I remember this kid. My freshman year in college, he had a kid, and his kid. I, I used to be really into Batman and his kid had a batman shirt that i had i'm like i'm 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 in the wrong place i'm playing i'm i'm a boy amongst men and i forget this dude's name he was a defensive end and i always tell you all the story about at james madison university you had to earn your red jersey there there was no oh you're a quarterback you come in and you get the red jersey of immunity don't touch me hands off the quarterback no you're fourth string like we don't need you to be healthy for week 1 and man i remember one of the hardest hits i took I was in the shotgun, caught the snap, and uh, read the defense quickly. Knew that this guy was coming off the edge against a, a right tackle that didn't stand a chance. A third or fourth string right tackle that was blocking a first string defensive end. And I saw this guy coming. in, and I was in the shotgun with a running back to my right. So the, the running back flared out to the right. I was able to throw the ball over this guy's head to get rid of the ball, get it to the running back. But my hand was up. And while I was following through, this guy's helmet hit my hand, pinned my arm to my chest. I felt like I broke my hand, wrist, and this guy Superman suplexed me in the turf. That night I was calling my mom, like, I I gotta come home. I can't do it down here in Virginia. I gotta go home. I'm not gonna survive. But I figured it out. All right, we gotta take another break. 877-337-6666. Keith McPherson on the fan. We'll be back after this quick timeout. Yeah, mic check, One two one two. Mike mic check, One two one two. A couple minutes here before we get to the 11 o'clock hour. Keith McPherson on the fan. My Casamigos, big shot of the night coming up. Taking your calls at 877-337. A 6, a 6, and two more 6s if you want to talk to me live on the fan in New York, 1019 FM. We didn't have any Knicks or Nets games on tonight. The Rangers lost last night. Uh, The Devils weren't on tonight. The Islanders, you know. So where am I going to get my Casamigo's big shot of the night from? I don't know. Somewhere in the NBA. There were plenty of NBA games. Now, before we went to the break, we were talking about quarterbacks in the NFL sitting their rookie year. Uh, We were talking about the different eras and how obviously now it's more of a pass-heavy league and it would make more sense, right, if you can draft a quarterback, sit him for a year, make sure he's ready to go versus throwing him into the fire telling the kids sink or swim, and a lot of times they sink and they'll never actually swim until they get a change of scenery or uh, some years go by. You know, We use the example of um, the quarterbacks playing this week in the conference championships. Lamar Jackson sat behind Joe Flacco. Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith. And, I mean, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, he was never supposed to play, but obviously he was sitting until everybody got hurt, from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to here you go, kid and rips off, you know, seven wins in a row, and then he gets hurt, and then they got to go to Josh Johnson, and that's all she wrote for their season last year, and now they're looking for redemption this year in the NFC Championship against Jared Goff, former number one overall pick out of Cal, and, you know, I, I think I know a decent amount of sports, but I get on here, and I tell you guys, I don't know everything. None of us do. None of us hosts do. I sometimes see people talk about, like, I hate listening to the radio when I know more than the host. Well, that's going to happen. We're not computers, but I do have a computer. And I do use artificial intelligence. So chat GPT during the break. I say, hey, chat GPT. Well, I didn't say it. I I just typed it in. I said, did Jared Goff start as a rookie? Because I wasn't sure. I didn't think he started week one. And I wasn't sure. I think I might have said maybe Sam Bradford was there. But um, chat GPT says, Jared Goff started his NFL career as a rookie. He was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams as the first overall pick in 2016. He didn't start until the latter part of the rookie season, making his first start November 20th, 2016, against the Miami Dolphins. So he did not start week one. So even Jared Goff, as we're looking at four quarterbacks in the championship round, the final four, none of them were thrust into the spotlight week one. For best results, hold the clipboard, learn from a veteran, watch some film. Unless you're the Jets and you think Zach Wilson is just you know coming out of BYU In the COVID year, playing in front of no one, beating up on Western Michigan and Coastal Carolina. Yeah, that guy's going to come to New York with a rookie offensive coordinator and a rookie head coach and have success. Yeah, against Bill Belichick. I went to that game. What do you have, three interceptions in that game? I was like, oh, no. It's never going to work. So, yeah, for best results, you want a Jordan Love type to sit behind a Hall of Famer. And by the time he gets in, he can beat the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, you know? There's other examples. C.J. Stroud is the exception, not the example. But C.J. Stroud showed y'all last year going up against Georgia, he was ready to play. You know, that kid just ended up in the right situation. Bryce Young did not. They should have had Andy Dalton start in front of Bryce Young. They shouldn't have tried to force him into that situation. Now you look at that situation. Frank Wright is out of a job. They fired the GM. I know they just hired a GM. But you understand what I'm saying. Okay, let's see if I can sneak a call in here before we go to the break. Update my Casamigos big shot of the night. I'm streaming live on my Instagram right now. I'm going to switch to TikTok after uh like 11, 11.15, 11. but shout out to everybody on Instagram watching right now. Jarvis is up in Harlem. What's up, Jarvis? You're back on the fan.
6: What's up, Keith? How you doing?
1: I'm good. You know, passing the time. 5-hour KM to AM.
6: Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was just watching, Um, you know, last Saturday when Packers lost by a close game, you know, but, uh, you know. You know, it was a disappointment, but, you know, it was i I'm not mad at the Packers, but, you know, we, we had a good season, but, you know, first, um, Jordan Love make his first debut as a postseason. I think they got a bright future for the Packers, but, you know, but, you know, but Aaron Rodgers could have good, you know, could have get us to the players last year. But, That's the know, narrative. But,
1: uh, yep. Aaron Rodgers couldn't get it done. He lost his last game in Lambeau. Jordan Love beat yep. the Bears, got him to the postseason, and won. His first playoff game on the road. Should have beat the Niners, honestly.
6: Yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to get blown up. But you know what? If Carlson, the, the kicker, would have missed the field goal, you know, they would have be up by six, like one minute and 53 seconds. But, you know, they miss it.
1: And if L, if, 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 that's all we do is if this, if this, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I want to make two points about
6: Yankees and Mets and Knicks and Nets. Personally, um, Yankees and Mets. You know, as a m you know, I'm a Yankee fan but the Mets like, you know, I listen to all these, you know, King Cole like, you know, King Cone, as of uh, you know, with Sal Cott always bring up like, oh, he's gonna spend money, he's gonna be the richest owner in the league. like they like you know, like they um like the the team, like 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 this is be a Metown. There's always been it's never been a Met Town so like Yankee Town. But you know, that with, yeah, it's with quiet um, for. Them.
1: I don't. I don't think too many people. Even Sal, I don't think they're talking about you know new ownership and the new gold standard and the Mets running the town now. Like I said, yeah. I listen to the fan all day, and everybody's making it a foregone conclusion that the Mets are going to be terrible. I don't know about that.
6: Yeah, yeah. Because you know what? Maybe, maybe back in like um, I don't know, like two years ago, and you know, maybe in 2022, maybe they if if they won the division, maybe they wouldn't be playing a three game walk up, but they're back get losing in the, um, the wild card, losing two out of three to the Padres. That's why when the Mets won 101 wins, and then last year they won 75 games. And then, then Buckshower got fired after two seasons. And then you got a rookie uh, manager that came from the um, Yankees. Um, right, 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 right. Carlos Mendoza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we don't know about him. So, um, yeah. So, this, you know, we don't know where – what he's going to be like as a manager. So, you know, so many first-time spin, man, yeah, first there's, year. There's a
1: lot of question marks, but what, what I go back to, Jarvis, and thanks for the call, you can't predict baseball. Nobody knows. And just because there's unknowns, just because there's question marks, doesn't mean that they can't come out on the better side of those questions. It doesn't mean that it's all doom and gloom and, oh, we're going to suck and there's no way we could compete and win. Maybe Lindor has an MVP season. Maybe Alonzo has a prove-it season where he hits 60 home runs. Maybe Nimo's got something to prove, and he's better suited for left field. Maybe Harrison Bader wants to prove everybody wrong and say, "Yeah, I can be an everyday center fielder." Maybe Luis Severino turns back into an ace, the ace that was promised to the Yankees that we never saw. Kodai Senga, second year, maybe he's back-to-back All-Star appearances. Jose Quintana is no slouch. Sean Manaya, Yankee fans were looking at Sean Manaya a couple years ago. Why can't he show up and pitch well? Francisco Alvarez is legit. They tried to hold them back last year. They're not going to hold them back this year. I could go through the whole Mets lineup roster. Uh, I I know there's a lot of Mets fans wanting and hoping for more. But uh, you kind of want to fly under the radar. I think you should want to fly under the radar, have low expectations. And that way, they're easy to meet. All right, coming up, my Casamigos big shot of the night. Marco's going to hit you with the update. Let's take this break right now.